The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 38, Gnomes to the Slaughter. Twelve gnomes marched in double file. They'd been through these tunnels many times before, and now they had come again the time for their patrol. Normally there would be a beast they could lay low and drag back to camp, or sometimes they would find their way to a lucrative opportunity. Gold or gems were equally pleasing. The glint of precious things reminded them of home. A home to which no gnome any longer remembered the way. Their leader was Kelzu, and their second was Glymfondal. They had been marching for hours and had found nothing that could serve them as food. Glymfondal had fallen into an acid pit and was still nursing his wounded arm and side. As for the others, they had their hammers at the ready in case of any attack. The lot of them traveled without light, since gnomes can see well enough in dark places. Kelzu fingered the coin purse at his hip. Perhaps it was time to go to the goblins. If they went in strength, maybe they could buy some of the food they needed. Yet, dealing with the goblins often came with a dreadful cost. Gold would not sate them for long. Even considering such an option caused Kalzu to shudder. If they were not all at the brink of starvation, he would have dismissed the notion entirely. But these were desperate times. And so he gave the command. The other gnomes were filled with fear, and one did not no, want Kelsey. to go. Not the goblins. No, Kelsey. We never make it. But there was no escape yes, from the will go. of the group. We must go. For to part from the group in the maze was only death. And yet before the group had marched more than just a few hours more, the small warriors heard the bellowing sound of a creature in the eastern corridor. They paused and listened. Surely this was a cave gorilla, a creature far more powerful than a goblin, bloodthirsty and nocturnal, dangerous in close spaces, vicious, a carnivore, a predator. Kelsey motioned to his men to pull their weapons. This creature was more than a match for any gnome, but it sounded as if there was only one and there were twelve of them. The gnomes knew these tunnels well. They separated down opposing tunnels, hoping to surround the animal and get an advantage. And if they could kill it, if they could only survive, 
they would be able to eat again. Kelsey moved forward, and there were three others who were with him. They hoped to take the gorilla by surprise, but there wasn't any way. It smelled them coming, and it saw them. The gnomes found themselves suddenly staring into its inescapable red eyes, and it was growling. And before any of them could do a thing, before the other squads could come to bear on the key creature's flank, the huge white monster grabbed Glimfondle with both hands and bit his head and ripped it off. The blood was raining down, and they were screaming. They swung their hammers wildly before the gorilla struck again, roaring with its teeth bared and the acid dripping from its maw, beating its chest and striking at anything that moved. The demon in the dark soon killed another, and another, and another. This episode is dedicated by your Maze Master as a tribute to the Save or Die podcast, for they are indeed great friends of the show. So what do you say, Save or Die? Are you ready to review the Solitaire Essentials and Gaming Guide? I look forward to it. After all, the way I see it, there's really no way that you can refuse. <laughs> no way! <laughs> no way! <laughs> Save or Die is used with permission. All honor to you, Save or Die. DM Mike, DM Liz, DM Jim. May you all survive the maze a little longer. Oh, well, the last one that I was listening to with Mike, um, Rolls and what was it? It was like Nat 20. And then there's this explosion. (laughs) (laughs) Nat 20. It was like. That kind of sounds cool to me. Yeah, I thought that was awesome myself. I had to pause it. It's fun. (laughs) I paused it and then I found Liz and said, Liz, you gotta hear this. Iron Realm, copyright A.B. Lenzo, is the world's first play-by-podcast RPG campaign. A portion of tonight's female voice performance 
was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. My sincere thanks as well to you, Ashley, for your masterful contribution to the Iron Realm cause. There's always somebody to beat or kill and take their crap, check their spleen for a month. sound is coming from behind the northern door. In the dying flicker of the lantern light, they tentatively approach the door with their weapons drawn. The sound persists outside for some twenty minutes, yet no attempt is made on the door, and ultimately the dangerous sound subsides. By 9 o'clock a.m., all the watches have been completed and the others awaken to the sound of Solus carving breakfast for the group from the corpse of the kobold they felled yesterday. Len has likewise pierced the eggs and this has allowed her to take the liquid inside into her mouth. Then carefully, she performs an air-locked seal with her lips for the benefit of those who are down before releasing the food to them. Indeed, Kailana, Orson, and Stockholm accept the gift well, but Bardar, Iona, and Paola believe they're under attack and Solus has to hold them down before they can receive the food. Treya, who is completely unconscious, is given her sustenance in this way too, while the rest of the group, as they rise, take that meal that Solus has prepared for them. When the meat is presented, the goblins become unruly, but they are put down fast by Nora who forces them to submit with her sword. The group is hesitant to share their food with them, for their supply continues to run thin. Yet ultimately, Solus appeals to Nora, and they agree to give the goblins a small amount of food throughout the day in order to sustain them. I'm deleting two rations from the group's supply of extra rations. 
their blindfolds are not removed. But the goblins are made to understand that the gags can stay off so long as they stay quiet. Meanwhile, Treya receives healing from the Uname, and so she recovers three life points, which brings her to negative two. Mercifully, Treya's wounds begin to close, and Len assists as well by tending carefully to the elf girl's body. As the day proceeds, Nora lays down to take her sleep, and Solus takes over, keeping watch over the goblins. This will be a day of rest, for the group must recover from their many afflictions. And indeed, throughout the day, their worst afflicted, one by one, slip into the deadly catatonic state. Each of them must make a death save in turn. The disease killed Kai and Echo, and so Len and the healers are desperate to save them. Death by disease, the rolls. Kailana needs a 13. A 5. The girl slips closer towards death and loses a life point. Stockholm needing an eight. 16. The dwarf's great resilience is allowing him to come back from death, and he murmurs in his sleep, a good sign. Barter also needs an eight. A nine is a success, while the elf Orson needs a 12. With a four, the malady's grip continues to pull him down. Minus one life point. Iona and Paola each need a 13. Iona, 13. Paola, 15. The thieves are starting, only just starting, to come out of the malady too. Every one of them must be painstakingly looked after, because even for those who have beaten the worst, recovery remains very slow and not at all guaranteed. While meanwhile, Kailana and Orson continue to follow the path towards death taken by their loved ones, Echo and Kai. The day wends on, and there are additional roaming creatures checks. 3 p.m. brings the next threat. The charts show that it is a group of Mazari. It must next be known if they are approaching from the north or the south. They are approaching from the north. These Mazari are coming in with extreme stealth, so the group has no chance to be aware of them. However, they are protected by the secret door. I would say there's a 50% chance that the Mazari might take any interest in the glyphs outside. The dice show that the Mazari take no particular interest 
and so soon, shortly later, retreat back along the corridor the way they came. The group has dodged danger, though they know it not. Therefore, they have made it all the way to 9 o'clock p.m., and so each member of the group recovers an additional life point. I'm removing six oil flasks from Iona's supply, for the lantern was lit throughout the prior day. But as Primaris 13 draws to a close, the group is losing oil fast, but without help from the elves or the dwarf, the light is absolutely necessary in order to keep an eye on the goblins. Indeed, under Nora's supervision, Kana goes to them and checks their ropes again to make sure that they have not come loose. While at sword point, the goblins have all of their binds tightened again, for the group desires no chance of mishap, since if they are allowed to escape, these four goblins could easily kill the entire group in their sleep. The group sets up their watches in a manner similar to the night before, and there are three checks needed to make it through the night. At 10 o'clock, Nora and Twyla hear the sound of gnomes outside. Let us see if the sound is coming from the north or the south. The sound comes from the north, just outside the secret door. Let us see if they take any interest in the glyphs that are upon the wall. Curious as they are, they do. What is this? says the first gnome. These look like some kind of cobalt symbols, says another. What do you think they mean? says the first one. I don't know. Let's find out. The noisy gnomes continue to chatter amongst themselves, whilst Twyla and Nim try to decide what to do. They've heard that gnomes can often be friendly, but of course it could be a deadly mistake if they are wrong. Twyla and Nim carefully go to awaken some of their number, Lilena, Amazar, Len, and Solis. Gnomes outside, says Twyla, and as the group converses in hushed whispers, the dwarf Stockholm manages to rouse himself from the straw mattress, and even though he feels as if he's been hit in the head by a bag of bricks, he gets to his feet and says, Gnomes, let me talk to them. With a little help, Stockholm is soon dressed, and he dons his crown as well for final effect. Who is it that comes to our door? He says. And from the other side, as the gnomes become quiet, it is clear that they have heard his voice. Come now, says Stockholm. Don't be shy. We're friends. The dwarf is speaking to them in their own language of gnomish, and so... He is sure to receive a reply. The reaction check. A five. No tricks, said the head gnome. We are simply looking for shelter, and we've already been ambushed. How do you know who we are? And how do we know that you're friends? The reaction check has come up only a five, and so the next rule will be yet more precarious. Even so, Stockholm motions to the others to open the door. 
in a show of good faith. And as this is done, five gnomes are revealed upon the other side. And the first amongst these is known to Stockholm, for it is the leader of the gnomes that they encountered in the maze before. There now, lads, says Stockholm. We meet again. Why not come inside and share our shelter, and perhaps you will tell your tale of what has transpired in the maze. Gnomes do like dwarves, and they recognize him. Plus, Stockholm tempts them further by borrowing a pouch of coins from Solus, which he jingles for them. Hmm, says the head gnome, dressed in chainmail and holding a warhammer. I do remember you. What are you doing here, and why do you have these goblins? I'm granting a plus two on the second roll. The dice. A seven indicates attack. These are our captives, says Stockholm. We're holding them hostage until we can secure the return of one of our own from the goblins. Hostages, huh? Says the gnome. And I suppose you'll gladly take five more if you can get them. Come on, boys. We know what to do with slavers. In a moment, all the gnomes have their hammers at the ready, and they charge in for the attack. Stockholm shakes his head wearily from side to side as he makes ready with the battle axe and as his others follow suit alongside him. Another attempt at friendship within the maze, and another failure. The wrath of the gnomes is down now upon them, and with their group still from the malady, this fully armed group is likely to give them quite a challenge. When he's giving the combat descriptions of the rounds as they go by while the party is fighting a group of kobolds, he put in dogs barking. Barking noises. And as one dies, your dog. <laughs> That podcast has really got you hooked, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it has. I, I, he certainly jazzes it up to keep it amusing. Let's set up the board. It is the 13th day of Primaris, 10 p.m., and five gnomes have arrived at the Cobalt Barracks, which is located at 41 across, 27 down, 43 across, 31 down. The Uname are suffering a minus one for the malady, while Orson and Kailana have passed into a catatonic state. The spells available to the group are as follows. Amazar, Door Denial, Lilena, Sea Magic, Orson, invisible shield, whilst the life points for the wounded are as follows. Treya, negative one out of five. Solus, six out of eight. Stockholm, nine out of ten. Len, two out of six. Temek, five out of six. Iona, four out of eight. Paola, four out of eight. Nora, six out of nine. Twyla, four out of six. And Nim, four out of six. The five gnomes are trying to come in, but only the first two abreast can make the attack. Meanwhile, the group has thus far positioned itself with North, Solus, Stockholm, and Twyla all threatening the door, whilst Amazar 
has his daggers ready to throw if he should be able to get a shot into the melee. I'm going to forego a surprise roll, for I do not think it likely that either side could have been surprised. Round one, initiative. Stockholm and the others. A one. The gnomes. A one. Simultaneous combat. The first gnome may attempt to strike against Nora or Solus. Solus. He swings with his warhammer. A four. Solus blocks it straight away with his two-handed sword. The second gnome may choose to strike Stockholm or Twyla. He goes against Twyla. Yeah. The roll. Twyla has an armor value of 4, and he strikes her perfectly with a 15. The Warhammer hurdles down, and she is dealt 6 points of damage. Twyla feels her head spinning, and she knows she will soon collapse. But not before she can take a return swing with her hammer. Each gnome has an armor value of 5, and with consideration for the malady, she will need a 15 to strike this one. The roll. A 4. Twyla's head swims, and she collapses to the ground in failure. Stockholm retaliates, and he needs a 14 with his axe. 19. He clips the gnome's shoulder, and the gnome cries out, though shortly after, Stockholm's weapon is batted away, and the gnome keeps fighting. Meanwhile, Nora needs a 14 to strike her gnome. A 3. Solus tries to help her. He needs a 12. A 9. These gnomes are tough, but Amazar has managed to weave in and attempts a shot against the gnome that felled Twyla. He throws the dagger. A seven is a fail. The knife flies out into the hall. Meanwhile, Temek and Bardar are upon their feet, and they have found their slings. They scamper to the top of the bunk and decide upon the best vantage point with which to strike the foe. Round two, initiative. The gnomes. A two, the group. A three. Nora takes another swing at her gnome, but fails to strike it. Solus brings his strong arm to her aid, but with a nat one, Solus finds himself hindered in the tight space and must recover his balance before he can strike again. Stockholm goes against his gnome and takes a swing. Fourteen. This dwarf has slept a long time, and yet he is now fresh for the fight. His axe comes down for eight points against the gnome who has been giving Nora and Solus trouble. And the gnome is killed. Meanwhile, Temek and Bardar try to back up Stockholm. One after another, they shoot requiring only 12s for the short range. Temek, 15 succeeds. Three points, cracks that gnome in the head, and he falls. 
there's another gnome behind him in the hall, and the other halfling gets an inkling of his location. He shoots his bullet. Get lost. A five is a failure. Amazar makes an attempt, too, at one of the shadows in the hall. He shoots his dagger. <laughs> Fifteen strikes! And one of the gnomes in the hall has fallen. <sighs> That's three gnomes down, and the remaining two must make two bravery checks. <sighs> An eight or higher is required if they are to stay. The remaining two gnomes are too terrified to stand their ground and run screaming into the dark. Slavers! Killers! Ah, run! Fifty level points for five gnomes defeated. The group recovers their daggers and stones. And quickly the group salvages what they can from the gnomes before pushing their corpses into the hall and securing the secret door yet again. Sleep was interrupted for the group, but wearily they decide to restart the clock and stay true to the order of their original watches. Starting at 10 o'clock, Twyla and Nim will begin again their first watch, except that Twyla, who was felled, has now been replaced on the watch by Bardar, who feels he has recovered enough stamina to make himself of use. The others do not disagree, for they need every arm on a sword that they can get. the secret door, Bardar and Nim can hear the voices of goblins. Nervously, they look to their captives, who are no longer gagged. Yet those goblins are fast asleep and do not hear the others. Will the goblins take interest in the kobold glyphs? They do not. Bardar and Twyla who remain dead quiet, hear some commotion from many goblin voices. Before at last, it sounds as if they are dragging something away, until their voices in the distance can no longer be heard. There are no other disturbances during the night, and ultimately all watches end at 10 a.m., at which point Nora is at last able to take her rest, whilst the others prepare for food for the day ahead. It is the 14th day of Primaris, and the group reviews the gear acquired from the Gnomish tribe. Death to nose. Aha! Hopefully for you, Mike. <laughs> Not for you, Zach. <laughs> Treasure Room. 
Let's review the takings obtained from the gnomes. Iona, Kana, and Paola are each given the following I for their just packs. Like about, uh, a suit of chainmail and a warhammer. It's a soul. Further, the gnomes possess six water skins amongst them, which brings the group's supply of extra water skins to 13. Them all at first level, the gnomes also have six flasks of oil amongst them, which allows the group to, to break to even, 36. since they just expended six more of their own the prior day. Totally the gnomes also count. possess yep. 50 <laughs> copper, which is to be held by him. Might as well distribute the level points, which currently total 100. Treya, and Orson shall not partake, and so the 100 level points shall be split amongst the 13 For 7 level points each, with 9 left over, I will assign the remaining nine points yes. to Which, Nora. Perhaps scene, it will allow her to reach her second level faster. The, quest. the new totals: Solus 712, Len 759, <laughs> Kaylana 640, Treya 1237, Stockholm 1182, Tamek 567, Amazar. 1212, Iona, 1881, um, Kana, 1176, Paola, 1790, Bardar, 1127, Lilena, 345, Orson, 865, Nora, 2304, Twyla, 1471, and Nim, 1003. He's playing at old school. And with me is my very own Shield Maiden of Seerune, DM Liz. Hello, that's me. Actually, I do have an announcement to make. Um, if anyone can chip in a couple of bucks, that would be awesome. If you can't, you know, just spread the word about what's going on. Yeah, spread the word. Help, help them out. If you want to be a hero and support the creators, write ahead. <laughs> That's right. Visit Tune in next time for another chapter of the Iron Realm. And remember... Play hard or go home! Iron Realm! Never trust gnomes in the dark.